Jimmy Lewis, and this is Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, the dirt bike podcast where we talk about motorcycle and motorcycle-related products. On Tech Talk Taco Tuesday number 35, we answer a lot of questions because we had taken a week off or something and the inbox is all filled up and everybody wanted their questions answered. So as a solo host, I can only do my best working all of those controls. But at least on a side note, the live calling is sounding good. You got to listen. This show is brought to you by Taco Moto. So you've heard us talk about Taco Mike on the show. He's been a guest host a few times. Taco Moto Co., that's how you find him on the web, sells a lot of the kind of cool and unique tuning products that you need to get your emissions compliant bike running up to snuff. So if you have questions, he has answers, and he can also sell you the stuff. So if we can't answer the question here, which we hope we can, maybe he can answer the question over there, and he can also sell you the parts that you might need to get your especially KTM or Husky dual sport bike uh, running like a champ. Anyways, it's tacomoto.co along with DDC Racing. That's Delaney Drive Components. They're makers of very strong, durable, chromoly, chrome-plated sprockets. If you've seen these things, they look like Swiss cheese. They're super light for a steel sprocket. They last forever. They come with a one-year warranty, and they are built by riders who really care about keeping riding areas open. So if you're interested in some good drive systems parts, check out ddcracing.net. That's Delaney Drive Components. And Climb has been with this show since the beginning, and I really appreciate that. What I like even better is that the gear is super awesome. I've been wearing it since the beginning. Uh, it's evolved a bunch. It's very durable, um, really good fitting. They have features on their gear that are pretty much uh, industry leading. And I appreciate that because that's what I wear when I get to do fun stuff and I'm comfortable and I like almost everything that they make. So if you are looking for a change of gear or you're looking for the best gear, I think uh, you won't be disappointed by trying climb. So give them a look. Now, here's the show. Live from Pahrump, this is Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. This is a uh, fill-in show for when I'm going to be absent on my normal Tuesday nights. Uh, so about 20 minutes ago, uh, while we were editing down our... Uh, Shows from last night, which, by the way, if you want to learn something, search out show 31. No, no, 33. Show 33, and then the show that's titled Chris Real, um, and you will uh, definitely learn something. Probably some of the most informative uh, tech talks that we've had, um, and we learned a lot about oils, which everybody grills me on, all the questions. So I got a real petroleum engineer in here who did a great job answering our questions, and then on the second segment, we recorded a second hour. Uh, we talked about uh, future motorcycles, emissions and uh, sound requirements and stuff like that, stuff that we're going to deal with, with, what manufacturers have to deal with, and how really the products are getting better, even though we're also bummed out about the regulations. that We're getting better and better bikes. So a couple of really good shows to um, check into. Uh, tonight, I do not have a host because um, couldn't find anybody in 10 minutes. <laughs> so that didn't work. I'll just uh, babble on myself. Actually, probably the reason last night's shows were so good is because I didn't talk so much. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Um, on to some other stuff. On the site, uh, Scott Hoffman uh, rode some of the new Dunlop tires. Uh, check that out if you're interested in some of their tires, they're making changes and making them better, and I'm excited to ride them myself because um, I think that they could work better for me. So that should be good. Uh, on a couple other things, uh, we I need still need to get up the KLX 300 uh, riding impression, which uh, we have the 230s, the dual sport and the um, off-road only version done. So... Uh, those are up there, and maybe I'll get to that tomorrow. And I have a really cool uh, Honda CR450X long-term wrap-up uh, being uh, uploaded to the internets as soon as I have the bandwidth. Was he on his back wheel, Gabe? 
They know it. Yeah. The Pahrump Willie Boys are alive and well, um, ripping up and down the uh, the back. The Navajo Willie Boys, as we like to call them. Um, they're not dead yet. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, keep it on one, bros. <laughs> Send it. Uh, good times. Um, so I'm going to get to uh, some of the questions that we missed out on last night. And when we uh, get uh, the calls, we'll break right into the calls and bring you on to the show. Um, so Simon Hale asks, I need some help. I watched the 2019 CR450X long-term test video, and I bought a bike with four hours on it. I followed most of your mods. FMF Muffler, uh, he could not get the Megabomb yet. Open up the airbox, the JD Jetting Tuner, Recluse Clutch. The bike has a lot more power, but flames out when you blip the throttle at low RPMs. I tried many different settings on the tuning, but the recommended settings work best. In other words, he was saying the ones that it comes with. The bike is unrideable and slow left. Uh, rough terrain he's talking about like big rocks and it really confused me because um i'm thinking something's wrong so i emailed him back and i asked him um i said hey have, have you have you done anything wait did you put the spark did you pull the spark arrestor out or did you not put the spark arrestor into the muffler and sure enough he had the <laughs> the spark arrestor out of it uh but in the meantime he also got the mega bomb and put it on there and he said it made a huge difference so um good good to know that the mega bomb really helps i felt the same i actually think performance wise it's actually does more for the bike than the muffler it kind of helps the throttle response uh that's a kind of a common thread when you put the mega bomb on i think that's why you started seeing a lot of different you know header type things you know they come on stock bikes other aftermarket manufacturers started putting them on that technology does work. So, um, yeah, check that, check that out. Uh, and so uh, I don't know how it was unrideable and slow, 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 rough terrain, but really those mufflers are not designed to be run with the spark arrestor core out there, especially when you have a queue, it's designed to have that spark arrestor quiet core inside of it. The whole muffler is designed to, to work with that. It's not designed to be an open muffler it doesn't work that way. It's actually a bad design when it's run as an open muffler. So remember that kids. Uh, and plus that's uh, a lot more sound responsible. So, um, another one, uh, Tom Fisher. Hey, Jimmy, got your email from my high school buddy, Andy Taylor. Andy Taylor is responsible for a lot of the design on dirt bike tests, by the way. Um, he says, I actually ride though. That's mean. That's a slam. My son is 13 year olds and just barely five foot tall. And at a hundred pounds, currently riding a CRF-150R big wheel with a recluse. It has been perfect, and he's getting really good at technical single track, but he's about to outgrow this bike. I think a CRF-250X is too big for him. What bike should I look at, even if we had to do a linkage and seat shaving? Would the KTM 150 be good? We only ride on desert trails here in the Scottsdale area and our trips out you know, to southern Utah. Thanks, man. I really love the Tech Talk Taco Tuesday podcast keep it up so tom um so the see if he's riding a crf-150r a lot of times when you're coming from the two-stroke uh going to you know a two-stroke 85 or big wheel um going up to the four-stroke is kind of a big change it's two really big changes but since he's already on the four-stroke i don't think that going to the crf-250x and I, by that, I don't know if you mean if you're meaning RX or the older um, CRF 250X, the the uh, the old single pipe. We'll call it the single pipe one. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a big jump. The biggest advantage in going to the KTM 150, which is a really good bike, is that uh, it's going to be light. It's going to be probably I'm going to just guess because I don't have the numbers in front of me. Twenty. 25 pounds lighter than the, than the Honda four stroke. So that is, um, a big advantage. The power may not be so tame. Um, if you go to the RX, uh, then, then that's a little more high strung, but amazingly, uh, we found that bike to be really good on the trail too. So, I mean, if you're kind of a, a Honda guy, uh, you don't have a two stroke option and, uh, between those two bikes, it's kind of it's it's really going to come down to the weight. Uh, I think the 150 may not feel like it has as much torque as the as the especially the older Honda four stroke. Um, 
probably a little bit less than even the new the new um, RX. But uh, I think weight's going to be the biggest thing. And um, you know, since he's riding a recluse, I suspect you would kind of stay with the recluse. But I honestly think at some point you should let him just do the clutch. Maybe take the clutch, the recluse out of the. I know why you have it in that thing because if that thing stalls, if that 150 CRF 150R stalls, that's a kicking experience. <laughs> so um, get the uh, get the bike with the electric start and then let him use the clutch for a little while at least, uh, and then hopefully it grows like a, a a sprout and then you have a um, a kid on a full size bike and you don't have to worry about bike swapping all the time. So cool, uh, Ryan. Schulte asks, my question for the show is, what should my mindset be in a hair scrambles race when a clearly faster guy that will definitely get around you should be in while he is behind you? So what's your mindset when a really fast guy is behind you? Uh, go as fast as hell and hope not to screw up. Uh, be conservative and let him buy and follow. Um, and uh, Ryan is a vet level uh, Midwestern hair scrambles type. So. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to tell you from experience in, uh, passing when I was racing off-road and I was that fast guy. And I'm also going to tell you from experience of going out to motocross tracks where now I am in your shoes. I'm the slower guy and there's definitely a lot faster guys out there. So I have experience in both sides of this equation. Number one, hold your line. <laughs> Don't do anything surprisingly quick, fast. Uh, don't do anything sudden because a lot of times the guy coming behind you has already figured out, picked out, um, where he's going to go. And he may go by you without you even having to do anything. So, um, and I wouldn't try to race him either. You know, if you, you know, a lot of times you can hear, hear him coming. And if you hear him coming, if you start favor, you know, slowly favor over to one side or start looking for the opening, the thing is, if, if, if you kind of keep going fast and you're going to try to race into the spot where you're going to let him go around, he may already be going for that spot to pass you. I, I hope that kind of makes sense. Um, and so, and I always often found that a lot of times I would see the opening and I was pretty sure I saw it before they saw it and I'd go ahead and go for it. And at the last second they'd swerve into me. And, uh, so, so sometimes just holding your line is enough, but if you start, you know, noticeably slowing down and then slowly moving to the, to the place you're going to go and, and, you know, don't hesitate, you know, don't, uh, um, you know, you know, telegraph it, or it's something as simple as, you know, put your hand up to let them know, you know, I, I hear you I, I, and I'm going to get out of the way at the first moment. Um, just don't take too long because same thing when, when they see the opening, they're going to go for it. So hopefully that, um, hopefully that helps. Uh, but if you do let them buy, yeah, follow them you know, watch to see what they're doing. That's probably some of the best learning you can do. It's really hard to, to learn from somebody who's behind you. Cause if, if you buy, if you try to keep in front of them, they're probably going to try to knock you over. So, um, yeah, hopefully that, uh, that answers your question. Hey, Luke, Luke is in there. Um, Luke, I have a radio here that I think you can find a home for. It was probably attached to some Wolf Enduro guy and it got jettisoned on the trail it's never been claimed <laughs> so uh luke is uh one of the main principals at uh wlf enduro um they have a big social media um following and um uh pretty cool and of course we found christian parker who wants to come in and uh, he's going to talk politics and religion on a soon to be uh, recorded tech talk taco tuesday but he wants to go riding with me first so he may not make it to the Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, uh, and uh, George, who's often in the room, I think I think I saw him pop up in here. He also decided to send us a tech tip, and uh, his tech tip is you know all that paper that comes in the boxes when they ship you stuff. Um, he says save it, fold it out flat, and use it uh, to make a clean work surface instead of a roll of paper towels. Good. That's that's a uh, multitasking and uh, good good for the environment, George. That's uh, that's awful nice of you. So I'm hoping that we uh, do we have any calls coming in, Gabe. No calls. I think I think everybody's afraid to call me. 
I'll be nice. I promise. I'll be nice to the first caller, but then when we have three in lines, then I'm going to start, you know, kind of clipping them pretty quick. So, uh, Luke, you should call in. We should we should talk. We should talk about going trail riding, and then maybe we can talk Christian out of it. So uh, that's Chris Parker, actually, by the way. He's from Rottweiler, and we did a show. And I, if I had notes, I would know what show number we did there. But that was a, a good a good time for sure. Um, Lou Kang commented, my right ear loved this video. So Lou was watching one of our KTM videos where um, my technical ep- expertise was revealed, um, and it's only in one channel. So I just say, um, uh, deal with it. <laughs> I should go back and fix it, actually. I think I wonder if I can edit that on the, on the tubes of you. Who knows? Uh, Justin Until, and that's his name. Justin Until says, does the JD tuner come preset like the EJK does? So I'm not sure what the EJK is, but yes, JD Jetting, ten, and, and most of those tuners tend to be sold with a preset in them. And they, uh, so it's, it's kind of, it's a, kind of the standard thing and it's just for stock, but usually in the instructions, they also say, Hey, if you're going to run a more open exhaust, try this. Or if you're going to run in this, they give you some tuning options. And then also the instructions as they should, uh, explain how you would tune it. And I have found that the, the one exact tune isn't right for everybody. You know, you may want a little more throttle response and there's ways you can play with, and it's bike dependent on how different ranges or different tuning zones, uh, respond to it. So, um, yeah, uh, Justin, yes, the, the tuner comes preset is your answer. Uh, Robinson Enduro asks, and he's talking about the 2019 Yamaha WR450F. Why would anybody wanted I'm reading his words, wanted this instead of a KTM 450 EXC. Just curious. What's well, obvious? It's blue. It, I mean, it's, it's blue and it comes blue and you don't have to change the plastic. So, um, I don't know why anybody would want it compared to a KTM 500 EXC because the KTM 500 EXC comes with a license plate. But I do like the Yamaha WR450F. If you want to read more about that, go to, dirtbiketest.com, search out WR450F. I think we have a full test of it up there. Hey, and have you ever looked at our tests? I know most people don't read anymore, but if you read the tests and you scroll all the way down to the bottom, you'll have this section that we say what they said. And most people don't see that, but when they do, they enjoy it. So uh, down at the bottom of the test, check that out one of these times. Um, little secret, I got a call. Uh-oh, here we go. This could be good. Let's see if this works. Um, I'm going to bring you into, let's see, this is Victor. Oh, okay. Victor. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Victor. How you doing? You're live on Tech Talk Taco um, Wednesday this time. How you doing? Great. How about you? I'm not too bad. So for anybody that doesn't know, Victor's a fan of the show, and he's also the popsicle guy. And, and it sounds like you're you're, you're driving, yeah. You're probably yeah, a little bit here to pro- the shop. <laughs> pro- prob- probably in a rush, good. a rush to get to the bar, no, right? No, no, I'm in, I'm at home. I'm just driving like a block away. Well, the question <laughs> is, what's your choice of uh, patching pack in case I don't like to use like bits uh, or anything? If I have inner tubes on my my motorcycle. So, I'm I'm riding out there. So what to pack What's your for choice of uh, inner tube patching? So yeah. I've got a couple. I got yeah. a couple things here. So uh, I'm gonna turn. I'm gonna turn your volume down just in case somebody skids into you. We don't want to hear that. Um, <laughs> so the um, number one, I carry a tube with me, and I even when I have a moose or you know I'm running something that's supposed to not get a flat, I always have a front tube with me if I'm going you know long distances. I'm going to have to uh, you know rely on that. So number one, carry a tube because then you don't have to do anything. You need to pull the old one out. And I used to carry these things from slime that were called scabs. And they were, they were literally rub on, um, patches and they were way more robust and a lot stickier than the stuff you could buy at like the bike shop, those little bike shop patches and stuff. Cause those you have to kind of scratch, you know, they, they seem like they took a lot of work and these scabs really worked good. 
they just didn't last very long, you know, rolling around in your tool, tool bag or backpack or whatever it was. Um, but they, they were pretty effective, but they were only good for a few months. Like they, they would, they would kind of, I don't know if they would dry out or if your tube actually, if once you blow it up, if it kind of ever goes flat or kind of loses air again, then they, they seem to like, you know, lose their adhesion. Um, and they would, they would leak again. So it's a great way to get you out. And we've, we've been on trail rides where we've patched, you know, seven or eight times. And luckily, you know, there was about 10 of these things in the package. Uh, so that was kind of my go-to. I've always, always pretty happy with that. And I never ran things like slime inside my tubes, uh, because I never do that either. Yeah. Because when, when you do get a flat and that stuff doesn't work, you know, if it's, it, it, it it makes the tube wet and a lot of times it's hard to clean off. And then when you, when you go to, when you go to adhes, you know, adhere the stuff to it, a lot of times it leaks out again and, and gets in there. So, um, that, that was my, uh, that was my go-to. I mean, I would remember when you were a kid and they had those patches that were in those metal trays and you'd light them on fire and they'd stick. I was going to ask you about those. I can't find them anymore. The ones that you used to light up. Yeah. Cause they're all toxic chemicals. <laughs> you can't, especially in California, you can't get them. Um, but those were, yeah. those were good. It'd be, you know, you might be starting a fire, a forest fire out in the trail where you ride, but <laughs> so, uh, anyways, yeah, Victor, I Hey, see. uh, good to talk to you. Uh, hope that, uh, well, answered, answered you your question my call. and yeah, hopefully they, uh, hopefully those, the scabs are still available. I, I mean, uh, you know, if, if George is in the, in the chat room, he'll probably find the, the link to it already and, uh, have it up there. So, Hey, I'm, I'm, uh, my All mouth's, right. my mouth's watering, uh, well, thinking about uh, that I'm going to Ramiro's here in a few minutes when I get done with this, but also, uh, from those popsicles you used to bring out at King of the Moto. So thanks again, buddy. Dude, just come by anytime. We're in Covina, so right it. <laughs> okay. There back then. Okay, sounds right. good. Thank you. See you. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, that was uh, that was Victor. Everybody, um, fan of the fan of the show and uh, super super cool guy. Like I said, I ran into him at the finish line of one of the King of the Motos, and he's like, "Hey, little boy, do you want a popsicle?" <laughs> so, uh, yes, I did. Uh, so cool. Calls are working, Gabe. Good job on you. That's a that's a big improvement for this show. Um, uh, so yeah, Robinson Enduro. Um, yeah, I think you have uh, Yamaha envy is what's really really happening. You're just afraid to admit it. So there's there's probably groups for you. Um, San Felipe Bob will help. Uh, Joe Doyle asks. Uh, another good one is PRI dash G. Um. G is for gas, PRID is for diesel. It also refreshes old gas, although I've only seen it sold online. So what Joe is talking about is a um a fuel additive uh that he is happy with. And I'm not familiar with that, but he calls it PRI uh G. Uh so he's he says he's only seen it online as well. That's probably why I haven't seen it cuz I try to um stay offline and out in the real world. But um Somebody will maybe put that up on the thing. Hey, we've got a couple of uh, questions. Um, let's see. Eduardo Rojas, what would you like more to put on a recluse on a motorcycle? Thanks. Uh, whew, let's see. What would you like more to put a recluse on a motorcycle? I think that's going to have to be reworded. What would you like more to put a recluse on a motorcycle? Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, Eduardo, please uh, <laughs> repost that thing. Um, Kristen, Chris Parker is drinking 1942. Actually, at Ramiro's night, they have four new uh, tequilas, I was told. they. I got the text, the group text to our tequila ristos. So I'll have that. Um, Kim Busey asks, big bike, 1190R, deep sand, not whoops, with turns, sitting for lower center gravity or standing for control and balance or both. Weight back and brake before turning. Boy, I wish I knew what the the uh, Andrew Short <laughs> episode was. <laughs> uh, you, sh- you should... Uh, text or you know give give hit dm andrew on the uh, on the instagram he'll he'll help you with that i will tell you with 100 certainty 100 of the time if i am in sand on a big bike on an adventure bike i am standing up if i want to control it 
So if I want to make the bike do anything, I am standing up because I need all of my weight to control the bike, to counteract um, what the bike is doing. If it starts going one way, you know, that way I can steer it the other way. That way I can move it, you know, back, forth. I control it through the foot pegs, not through the handlebars because the handlebars are going to be, you know, wobbling around and shaking around, kind of following the ruts, whatever they, whatever they do. Um, and my weight is always balanced on my feet. It is not forward and it is not back. It's balanced. But in saying balanced, I'm anticipating what I'm going to be doing. So it tends to usually look like I'm leaning a little bit more forward than getting over the back. That get over the back and gas it is BS. <laughs> it means get out of control and get out of balance. That's what that means. And if I want less weight on the front wheel, I use the throttle to add power so it lightens up the front end. And I'll tell you another secret. A lot of times on the big bikes, it actually grabs more traction when you back the throttle off. So you spin it up and back it down. Um, kind of a hard concept to, to grasp. Uh, oh, yeah, I have a riding school. I forgot. JimmyLewisOffRoad.com. Uh, so if you want to learn how to do that, come out and see us. Uh, we have some openings in December, I believe. Uh, we don't do a whole lot of um, stuff. And uh, Chris, you're on it. Uh, sitting, it's Technically, sitting is not a higher center of gravity. Uh, it's, uh, it has to do with polar moments of inertia and some other stuff, but, um, that's physics and we rely on specialist experts to, uh, handle that. And, uh, and even at high speed, yes, Kip, even at high speed, more so at high speed, absolutely more so at high speed. I'm standing up, um, because things happen faster. Actually, I'll kind of get into this because I, I was on a I was on a I did a call into a, a show called Adventure Rider Radio. It's also a pretty popular podcast, um, and we talked about we spent an hour and a half talking about balance, just balance, and how it's the key to everything. And and I think that and and people say why do you guys focus so much on balance? Where you know all your drills are really slow. I'm never going to ride my bike that slow. And I'm saying yeah, you probably don't want to ride your bike that slow, but when you ride that bike, your bike that slow, you have to be very acutely aware of the balance because it wants to tip over. And when it starts tipping over, it starts losing traction, and then you can't use the the burst of power to um, kind of re rekindle your balance to give you a second chance because there's no traction on the wheels. The bike's falling over. There's not that much weight on the tires. So we spend a lot of time working on these slow speed drills. So you have to focus on the balance, and then as you start getting comfortable, you start picking up speed, the bike gains some momentum and it has some inertia and it doesn't want to tip over anymore. And all of a sudden you feel comfortable. So you're comfortable and then you start, you know, going faster and then you start feeling uncomfortable again because bad stuff starts happening. If you never feel comfortable, if you never have that moment where you feel comfortable, you don't know when you're getting uncomfortable and you don't know how much bad stuff is going to happen. And trust me, the bad stuff happens a lot quicker when you're going a lot faster. But if you tip over going slow, working on your balance, then nothing bad happens. And then you start learning about how important it is, and you carry that balance along with you as you start increasing your speed. And the reason I can go around a turn 5, 10, 15 miles an hour faster than you, the reason I can ride through sand much more effortlessly than you or someone else is because I'm more in balance and I'm more comfortable. And how do you know if you're in balance? You can take your hands off the handlebars, but I don't suggest doing that. So <laughs> we got a what? Another call? Sounds familiar. Gabe's over there. It sound, I sound like a broken record when I start start talking about riding. Well, it's because you, you come and help out at the schools. You'll be teaching them. You are teaching them pretty soon. Um Let's see. So yes, even at high speed, uh, hopefully Kip, that answers your question. Um, and, uh, Dustin Vasquez says KTM 450 XC 19 air forks are converted to single spring bike use race purpose, best in the desert. Moran, what's your thoughts? Wow. 19 air forks or converted to single spring. You know, uh, Dustin, I think the KTM air forks are some of the best forks out there. Uh, 
and I'm a big fan of all the WP stuff lately. And I've I like the old air forks that nobody else liked because I actually took the time to set them up and learned how the different uh, chambers worked. I never personally had any problems with durability on them. I've never had any problems with durability on KTM air forks, uh, um, especially out here in the dusty stuff. You don't have to worry about it. It's when you get into mud and uh, uh, a lot of you know a lot of grime. You know, dust will get in there a little bit, but it's not too bad. I would leave the air forks alone. Um, play with the settings. Uh, play with the different air pressures. Play with your clickers. And by all means, have them serviced, especially if the bike's more than 20 hours old. Have them serviced and uh, uh, do that. But um, never, I don't have any issues. And then if you're still running into problems, make sure that your your pinch clamps on your, on your triple clamps are torqued properly, your axles torqued properly. It's not binding. Um, so many guys... When they say, "Hey, my forks are junk," you know, and I, you know, if I'm at a track or someplace, somebody in the school, I say, "His forks are horrible," and I loosen up their their pinch clamps. It goes ping, and I'm like, "Well, yeah, you, you had them bound up. <laughs> they don't they don't work very well that way." So, um, yeah, play with them. Uh, I think uh, I think you would like them, and then, and then, but you know, there's nothing to say that you couldn't go to you know some of the some of the modified stuff is good as well. It seems like it's just. I would want a very specific reason to modify my standard suspension, uh, especially at my size and weight and my ability level. Um, the bikes these days are set up really well. Uh, so hopefully that works. Um, let's see, Mark Daniels, uh, Mark, are you just always stalking me on, on the books of faces here? (laughs) Shouldn't you be out writing tickets? (laughs) Anyways, uh, Hey, uh, Chris Parker created a tech tip today for removing the KTM 790 clutch. Uh, cool. Why would you want to do that? Aren't they perfect stock? <laughs> uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to move down my list. Uh, Adam has a question about the KTM 350. And I talked about this a little bit last night because we were, we kind of ran it into the oil discussion. But it says, he's talking about the KTM 350 where I kind of noticed, and I still do notice, that the motor, especially, you know, from the on my 19 compared to my 16, it's it makes more noise. He says, the motor rattle you hear is actually the shitty stock cam chain tensioner. Get the Dirt Tricks tensioner and avoid the stock one breaking, like many have already had happen. <laughs> so... No, the motor rattle I not here is not the cam chain tensioner. Absolutely, one hundred percent certain it's not. So, the the noise I'm hearing is the is is, and I talked with Chris about this. Is it's all the the parts are a little bit looser. You know, they're trying to reduce friction in that motor. Um, they're some sometimes they're reducing weight, and so the 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 cases aren't as thick, and it's not as as absorbing as much uh, noise. Uh, and with a, such a quiet muffler on that bike, you notice this a lot. So, um, it, and, and I've noticed this even on some of the race bikes, you just hear some gear rattle and, 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 you know, things of, of that nature. So, uh, that's what it is. And I have had a KTM 350 campaign, campaign tensioner, uh, go a little bit bad. So it somehow got contaminated and it took a lot of RPMs, uh, to, to get that, cam chain tensioner to use the oil pressure to push on it really tight there's a certain amount of spring tension and that spring tension wasn't enough to there was some galling in the in the in the 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 hydraulic tensioner or some grit that had gotten in there and it wasn't moving as freely as it should yes it does happen this was at 350 some odd hours so you know it's not too surprising that's probably the only mechanical issue that I've had with that bike. The only thing I've really had to replace on it. And, uh, it's well over 400 hours and it's still on the stock top end. So, um, my sixth, and that was my 14 KTM for 2014 KTM. So still going. And, uh, my Kate, my 19 has not changed audibly noise at all. And I do know what the, the dirt tricks tensioner is. It's a manual adjust cam chain tensioner, kind of like we had on, you know, a lot of old four strokes. So, uh, and that's a, that's a good option. If you don't like the, uh, the hydraulic one, the hydraulic one is just very, 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 very consistent. (laughs) So, and I know way too many people that aren't smart enough to tighten a, a, uh, manual 
cam chain tensioner. So be careful. Uh, let's see. Oh, Mark retired. We'll go out and write tickets to, to somebody else, Mark. <laughs> Uh, hey, thanks for watching all the time. I really do. I do appreciate it. It's guys like you that keep me on my toes. Um, Kevin Omo asks, PDS versus linkage for rally racing. Um, well, you're asking the wrong guy because <laughs> I like PDS. So I would say PDS just because it's simple. And then there's no linkage hanging, hanging down. And less parts to break, lighter weight. Um, I know how to tune a PDS shock. Uh, um, I know what to expect from them. Uh, yeah, I would say PDS, but if you look at all the factory rally bikes, they have uh, linkages, so don't ask me. Uh, <laughs> they they the, the advantage the advantage of the linkage really is is in all in all honesty is kind of twofold. Number one, by design, it allows you to run a longer shock, so you can you can get more control uh, with that shock. But you always have to take into consideration what the linkage is actually doing for the leverage ratio, just like the angle of the PDS shock. So there's there's tuning into it. It gives you the ability to have a longer shock. It's some in in certain things. It also isolates some of the the, the chassis, um, the shocks, the the shock, the forces that go into the chassis, uh, because instead of being bolted directly to the swing arm, which is connected more to the swing arm pivot, which is down by your feet. Now the shock is hanging down there, and so some of those sh those forces are dampened out of the chassis. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing that riders actually feel, more so than the performance of the shock, because it's a PDS versus um, a linkage. Uh, and that's that's my that's my two cents on it. So hey, Dustin, yeah, no uh, no problems. Uh, that's that's what we're here for, answering questions. Back to the clipboard. You know you can call in. Uh, the number, if you want to call in, is 775-451-3328 while we are live. So uh, don't ever be afraid to to do that. Uh, I want to keep Gabe on his toes over there because uh, he's kind of currently working on editing uh, our second show with uh, Chris Real, which is also going to be a, a good one. Um, Let's see. Uh, Christian R. asks, Hi, Jimmy. I have a 2015, he says HVA. I think that stands for Anyways, it's the white KTM, 350 Dual Sport. Um, he's 47 years old, rides aggressively uh, in the desert, and most often dual sporting in the mountains. He says, I run the Parker DT tire in the hard direction. That's the Kenda Parker. I recommend that tire. I like it. Kenda does help me out with my off-road riding schools, so uh, disclaimer there. Um, but I would still run them. And I'm putting a nitro moose, uh, a normal nitro moose, in the tire. What would be a good match on the front tire? And I'll have a nitro moose in there as well. The Kenda Parker DT front, of course. Uh, that is a great tire, especially out here in western conditions. Um, I run them all the time. It's a funny shaped tire and it does scare people away because they look at the knob and it looks kind of, it looks like the head of an eraser, especially after it gets used a little bit. But I'll tell you the trick with those tires. Always run them in the hard direction, even if you're running in intermediate terrain, because the hard direction, it has excellent, excellent braking. That's why I like these tires. They have some of the best on the brake performance. They stabilize, they brake straight. Um, uh, just really good braking performance and just all around a, a very good tire. So almost everybody that I've turned those tires onto uh, came away very impressed and didn't have too many bad things to say about them. So um, I think it's a good front tire. And he also asks, I'm wondering about the, the, the front 4CS fork. Now, this is a good question. I recall your articles and I can't make it work on the smaller bumps. It's really harsh. Uh, getting uh, uh am i stuck getting it redone somewhere and then when where who which suspension guru so um we're gonna roll back to the question i just talked to from uh, dustin uh there's a couple tricks you can do with four cs forks before i would send them off to a guru because if there was ever a fork that 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 could really use a lot of different parts inside of it that's the fork I was never a big fan of it, but I did find some ways to make it work. So two things you have to understand. 
the adjusters, both compression and rebound, are not really low-speed compression adjusters like on most forks and kind of typically like a lot of WP stuff lately. They act more on the mid-speed valving. So that initial feel that you're looking for, it's not really going to go away with the clickers too much. Um, and there is quite a bit of overlap, especially with the rebound on the compression. So sometimes when you want to make the compression lighter, look to the rebound adjuster on that fork. But here's the trick with that fork. It's run a little bit of negative air pressure in it. So in other words, I like putting the motion probe bleed screws on. Those are the ones you can just push the button and bleed the air out of the fork. But instead of doing it on the stand like you're supposed to, to get like a, a zero and no pr air pressure inside of it, take the bike off the stand and you know put some weight on it and then bleed the forks. So it'll put a little bit of negative pressure in there and try that. And if that's not enough, push down on the on the on the bleeder and push down on the fork and then release it before the fork comes back up you're going to put a little bit more negative pressure in there and i had a ton of luck doing that on 4CS forks on the KTM uh, XC and SX bikes back when they when they had those forks uh, i could i would tune the low speed compression using that method uh, and and also Kind of do it when the fork is warm, like if you, if you can do it like after practice or, you know, after you've been riding for a little while, do it uh, then. Uh, you, you can do it right in the beginning, but it will warm up and you might want to do it again. But it's kind of like, it's it's really hard to measure what you're doing, but you kind of learn by feel what you're doing. And I was always very happy with the results in that. And again, if that fork has not been serviced, get it serviced. And before you spend all the money on the extra parts, you can do that later. Um, if you, if you kind of run into this harshness, it's not going away. Um, try the, try the, um, uh, try doing that. And then I got an email back from him. He says, thanks for the info. I will try forks have just been serviced as a previous owner, had a lower spacer at a, uh, yeah, a, a spacer that he put in. I put the stock oil level back in. That's pretty good. Good. And then also the oil level is pretty critical on those. Um, the higher oil levels tend to add to the harshness, but they also added bottoming resistance. And my problem with those forks was not only the initial harshness, they didn't have the bottoming resistance that I thought they should have for having all the, the chambers and stuff in there. So uh, anyways, um, uh, let's see. He says the proper springs are based on race tech recommendations. And I'll tell you something about race tech. Um, Good suspension company. They have their own kind of theory, and Race Tech is—it's always been heavy springs, light valving. Uh, that was always my experience with their stuff. I don't have a ton of recent experience, so they on their scale, the springs might just be a little bit higher than most other people's uh, scale. Um, and then he also he said he definitely checked all the torques and stuff like that. So um, yeah. Good. Thanks for the thanks for the advice. Uh, let's see. And my good friend Jim wants to know. And so Jim is one of those interesting cats that just got a smartphone, and he he always gets pissed off when everybody around him is dicking on around on their smartphone, and now he does it does it, but he still doesn't know how to get onto the show on the Facebooks just yet. So he he actually called me this morning to want to know how to get in the show, and I'm like, well, you can call on the show. And I guess he's ahead of his time because he doesn't like using the the, the new smartphone for calling people. But anyways, so he had uh, George te text in for him. Uh, he said, if the manufacturer recommends 10W40 below 32 degrees and 20W50 above 32, would it be bad to use 10W40 all the time, even above 32? And uh, we kind of answered this last night on the show. I just didn't get into how the question got to me. <laughs> um, the number one thing is that you have oil in your motorcycle <laughs> that, that, that came straight from Chris and I agreed with him having oil in there is the first thing having the right viscosity in there based on the rec manufacturer's rec recommendation is also good but I wouldn't get too carried away on the weights and the viscosities and so what I suggest Jim is when you figure out how to use YouTube you go find episode 33 and listen to all of that awesome information and you will be uh somewhat smarter for the effort so uh okay um that's uh that's i think we kind of weeded through all the questions i thought we had a few more someplace 
Um, I haven't kind of seen them pop up on the uh, on the board just yet. I know we had some that were on some of our videos. By the way, we have this awesome YouTube channel. Uh, you may be listening to this uh, on a Dirt Bike Test YouTube channel at the moment. Um, so uh, feel free to search around there. You can see other episodes of Tech Talk. If you want to listen to Tech Talk, it's going to be a podcast very soon. It actually kind of is if you know how to look for it, but we're not happy with where it's at. We're going to work on some of the sound quality and uh, tune up some stuff, make it a little bit better, um, get some of our sponsors involved with it. It's already pretty good. Uh, and Rick MX Racer commented on our KTM 300 video, the 2020 KTM 300 video, and I feel his pain. Damn it. All I've got is a 2019 and accidentally rode a 2020, and it is a lot better. I'm going to have to save my 19... <laughs> I'm going to have to give it to my 19-year-old son and open up the wallet for 2020. Great review, Jimmy. Thank you, Rick MX Racer. Yeah, I think I said that in the video. <laughs> if, you, if you don't have the money for one of these, don't buy one. That's That's my... You know, kind of, I have the, my, the pain in my life is I have a lot of motorcycles. I have motorcycles that I really, really like. And I, I kind of, I, I grow accustomed to them. And, and since I'm not like in the magazine circus that much as I used to be, a lot of times I spend time on my own bikes and I get very comfortable on my own bike. I'm not switching onto a new bike every time I'm riding. I'm not on a motocross bike on Tuesday an off-road bike on Wednesday, riding an adventure bike on Thursday and Friday, and then back to a motocross bike on Sunday. I'm riding my KTM 500 all of those days, or dare dare I say my Husaberg 570, and then that's a whole nother experience. I, it's kind of hard to really express how much power that bike makes, you know, for a single cylinder. It's got a, a funny angle in the motor, but let me tell you, the noise that comes out of the thing, it throws, like, roost, like... No tomorrow, but back to, you know, riding, just riding a single bike all the time. Uh, my pain is I get to go ride all these brand new bikes and sometimes I really like them and I go, man, I, I really want this because I feel the improvements even just year to year. And that, that, that the 2020 KTM 300 is one of those bikes. I was very, very impressed with it. Um, the gains they made in the motor and I'm riding a 2019 300 around lately. So I'm very bummed george sorry george is it's george's bike and uh your bike really isn't as good as a 2020 but i'm going to do my best to make it as good as i can but it's going to be difficult because the chassis changes are going to be the hardest things to you know improve the older bike you just you just can't go and like start changing your chassis the suspension i think we can get close the suspension may actually be pretty close as it is but the chassis really helps. And then every little bit, it's just enough to make you need to go down to the dealer and buy one. So, uh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, Rick MX racer. Um, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see how that works out. So, okay. We got a call. That's good. Oh, Craig Hunter says I didn't Craig Hunter. Why don't you call in? I'm going to give you the number right now. Uh, seven, seven, five. Four five one three three two eight. Call call in right now, and I will answer your question. A DBT double feature. That's exactly what this is. <laughs> and I didn't answer your question from yesterday. Uh, probably didn't see it come across the board because I was just so enamored with what Chris was telling me. I was actually having, I was having a hard time absorbing all the information, and then and then trying not to you know, have another sip of beer, kind of like I'm going to do right now. So Craig, we're waiting for your call. It's again, uh, I can't say it out loud with my, uh, mouth and my here. Let me, let me tell you what it is. It's, ah, mm, that was tasty. Um, seven, seven, five, four, five, one, three, three, two, eight. That's seven, seven, five, four, five, one, three DBT. If you're Remember how those old rotary phones had the numbers, the letters in the in the dials, and we can uh, I can answer your question uh, without referring to a reference manual even. And you have in my world, 
How many more minutes are we going to give him? Two? One. <laughs> I just, so it just, it just went across the feed. The funny thing is there's a little bit of a delay from when I actually say something to when it goes out onto the, uh, the dirt bikes. Hey, Craig, if you can't figure out how to dial the phone, I think you got a pretty smart son that might be able to operate that thing for you. I've, I've seen he's pretty good on the phone. He knows how to push those buttons. So, um, and what, <laughs> and am I, if I, if I'm supposed to remember all those, those, uh, questions, that's going to be kind of tough. So if he doesn't call within two minutes, this, this version of tech talk taco Tuesday recorded on Wednesday is over. And, uh, just in case you're wondering, um, how you can uh, support dirt bike test, we have dirt bike test t-shirts. Uh, we have a little thing. There's a a button up on the thing. It says shop or store. I believe it says store. You can hit that. It'll scroll down. It takes you over to our dirt bike test t-shirt store. If you uh, order them soon, I will put them in the mail as soon as possible, but I'm going to be gone for a couple weeks. And that's why I'm, uh, doing this one now so I can have something to go up on the Tuesday. So I don't leave you guys all hanging, uh, out in the middle of nowhere. So, with that, Craig's chicken to call, right? Nothing, nothing happened over there, Gabe? That's it. So with that, I'd like to say thanks for joining in. Thanks for watching, especially on a, on a, on a quick last-minute notice. Again, check out our videos. Comment on the comments below. Like us. Share us. You know, uh, When you're watching this on the YouTube, some of our Instagram handles and following links go by. Uh, check those out. Tell everybody about them, and uh, we will see you on the next one, and hopefully out on the trail. Cheers. Cheers.